Hi, everyone. This is Erica Carbajal with Becker's Hospital Review. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Murray Brzezinski, the Chief Strategy Officer at Amwell, to talk through successful digital health transformation with hybrid care. Murray, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. No, thanks for having me, Erica. Yeah, absolutely. To, to get us started, do you mind just sharing a bit about your background before we dive into the discussion? Sure. So I'm, um, as you mentioned, Chief Strategy Officer for Amwell, and Amwell is going through a major transition, and we are now considered the leading hybrid care enablement platform, which we'll talk about. And I joined the company a little over two years ago through an acquisition of my company, Conversa Health, where I was CEO, and we pioneered what we call automated care delivery. And now that's part of the Amwell platform and um, really looking forward to digging into it all with you. Yeah, definitely. Murray, can you start by talking about the new world of healthcare? You know, you mentioned hybrid care and a lot of different things happening there. So let's just get into that. Where are we headed? Yeah, I think, you know, healthcare has been, unfortunately, we've been talking about bending the cost curve and increasing access and improving the experience for patients and increasingly providers as, as they're burning out and ultimately improving the outcomes, both health and care outcomes for patients for a long time. And then COVID hit. And I think that became a realization that we don't really have the luxury anymore of thinking about it. We need to make investments in technology to help us get there because spending 20% of our gross domestic product on healthcare and trending higher is not sustainable. So I think the first big wake up call was COVID. And then unfortunately, as we started to come out of COVID, we had a you know a huge financial hangover, which seems like it's gonna be with us for a while. So I think those two were a double whammy to the system and a, and a wake up call that the only way we're gonna be able to improve care and do it in an affordable way where everybody can get access is gonna really require investments in technology. And so this whole notion of hybrid is really a combination of what we've been doing historically in care delivery, but combining that with new technology and new modalities to enable us to scale it at an affordable price. Murray, I know it's clear hybrid care is sort of where things are moving, but I think hybrid is, is one of those terms that can be used a lot. Some leaders may consider it a buzzword. So how does Amwell define it? <laughs> yeah, it's a really good call out. I think I think it's it's it is a buzzword and I'm actually anti-buzzword. I think it's very meaningful to people in the industry and we use it because people are looking for hybrid solutions so I'll explain what that is. I don't think though that it has any meaning whatsoever to consumers or patients. And so our belief is ultimately that investments in hybrid care will result in a new reimagining of what care is. And so ultimately hybrid care will be what we call healthcare in the future, the same way that we really don't have e-commerce so much anymore. We have commerce and we have different channels and you can order things online and pick them up in the physical world. You can test drive things in the physical world and order them and have them delivered in the, in the virtual world. And we see the same thing happening with healthcare. So what we consider hybrid is really taking what traditional care delivery is, which was predominantly done in a hospital or in a clinic, and being able to use technology and new care modalities, virtual, so like telehealth visits, digital, all the different um, interventions through various apps, and automated, which increasingly is um, 
is becoming a bigger piece of the pie, which is technology doing some things on its own with either humans in the loop or humans monitoring it or it getting escalated or triaged to humans when needed. And the whole idea from a patient perspective would be that those care modalities are working seamlessly with the goal of providing the right care to the right patient in the best venue for that patient, which increasingly is going to be wherever they are. And so patient-centric care becomes caring for patients increasingly in their homes. Yeah, thanks for touching on sort of the patient perspective there. And even the, the idea that hybrid, that word essentially means nothing to patients and having that that seamless care, having those things work seamlessly in the back end is really the goal, not necessarily having them notice too much what's happening there. Can you talk about just sort of on the idea of patient-centric too, how patient-generated data can take us from reactive care, you know, caring for when patients may already be sick to proactive care. Absolutely. And I think just to double click on something you said where hybrid care is meaningless to patients, it, it works in the background seamlessly. It reminds me, Arthur C. Clarke, a science fiction and writer and, and prolific inventor, talked about, you know, the best technologies are indistinguishable from magic. And that's what we're really hoping for in hybrid care, that patients just get the best care that they get from their care teams and the technology is invisible. It just, it facilitates, we, we call it an enablement platform at Amwell because we're enabling the stars of the show or the providers. We want them to practice at the top of their license, which is doing those things that only humans can do uniquely in caring for their patients. And the technology is assisting, it's augmenting, it's enhancing, it's amplifying, it's doing all of those things, uh, but that's invisible to the patient. And patient-generated health data, you know, people have been talking for a long time about patient-centric care. We have to put the patients at the center of their care. And those are all words if you don't put the, the data about the patient, the status of the patient at the center. And so that's really what patient-generated health data is all about. It's a recognition that we have data about the patient in the health record, which is very important, but that's a snapshot, right? So that's when patients come in for a visit for their annual wellness visit. It's when patients come in for a visit when they're sick. And the reason we have the system we have now that's reactive is those are the only two times you see a patient. And so other than the wellness visit, they're, you're reacting to when they come in and something's already wrong. And you had all this opportunity to potentially address it and we didn't. And so now we're taking care of someone who's sick. Whereas proactive care is the idea that if we can collect data about patients on an ongoing basis and have this longitudinal view of how patients are doing, we can start to look and we can intervene or we can, as Amwell or, or uh, platform players, we can help enable care teams, doctors, nurses, social workers to identify when patients are having issues very early in that life cycle and they can get in and do more preventative care. They can take care of things before the patient decompensates further. And the patient is a partner in that. So we take data in the health record, we can take increasingly social determinants and environmental data, things that are exist in the patient's everyday life that are highly predictive of their health and their care. And then increasingly patient-generated health data, which is what can the patient tell us about themselves? And if you know, um, you remember the old comic strip, Peanuts comic strip, there's a character named Pigpen who walked around and always had a dust cloud. I always think of patients that way. We have this cloud of information about ourselves. We know a ton about how we're feeling and how we're doing on our health journeys, on our care journeys. And if someone could take the time, who's a very knowledgeable healthcare professional, 
to ask us questions and to take biometric readings, all that information is there. And that's what we're really doing with our platform through technology. We're enabling the collection of all that wisdom that the patients carry around with them. Yeah, thanks, Marie. I think it's kind of touched on this, but one thing to have all that data being collected on, on the background, but another to have the ability to identify and spot, you know, when it's time to act and, and connect with the patient proactively. So hoping that's what we'll get to next here. What is a virtual companion and how does that help clinicians and patients? Yeah, it's a great question because everything I just described is, you know, if you can connect with that patient on a frequent basis and ask them the right questions, take biometric readings to collect their vitals, but we don't have the resources to send a person, nor would that be acceptable to a patient to have someone come to your house every day if you're a patient just discharged from the hospital, for example, or a patient living with diabetes or even a healthy patient. Um, and so the notion of a virtual companion we created was, can we take digital technology that the patients trust and it's a very low touch check-in, which therefore can be done very frequently. And if the patients see value in it, they'll engage. And that can be something that they turn to on an ongoing basis. And so lots of people out there have developed these types of companions, the way that we think about it, the elements that make it work is it has to come from a trusted party. So in our case, our platform, again, is an enabling care teams to provide these companions to their, their patients or their members. And so if you're a doctor or a discharge nurse, when you're discharged from the hospital, provides this to you and says, here's a companion that's going to check in with you on a very frequent basis. And the information that it collects about how you're doing is going to come back to your care team, come back to us, the people that you trust, your social worker, your nurse, your, your doctor. That's how the companion works. It, it works as a virtual part of the care team. And for the patient, it just becomes this automated companion that asks them questions. It's very conversational, which is why we called our company Conversa, the company that Amwell acquired. And it's also a superset of RPM, remote patient monitoring. So it's designed to be able to collect information from wearables and other devices that are collecting the biometric readings as well. And so that's facilitating the collection of that information. And then the platform has the intelligence, the increasingly AI-based intelligence to assess based on that information, what the status of that patient is. Is the patient doing well? In which case the companion wants to continue to reinforce those behaviors. And so it's telling the patient, good job, keep doing what you're doing. If the patient is somehow off track in their care journey, it's designed with a lot of behavioral science to nudge them back on track, recommend actions that would be beneficial for that patient to get back on track with their blood pressure, their medicines, their activity level, whatever it might be that they're dealing with. And then if they breach a threshold where there's some real issue, it's designed to navigate them or intelligently triage them to the appropriate care modality to take care of that issue. So it might be a notification to their nurse to give them a phone call or connect them immediately to a virtual telehealth visit or make an appointment for them to come in and see their doctor. Yeah, Marie, I love what you mentioned earlier around the enabling the, the star of the show, obviously being the clinicians. Um, I think it's just such a spot on way to put it and it underscores why it's so important also to communicate with patients around that point and sort of how it works and why they can trust it. 
Murray, what outcomes can healthcare organizations expect when they're leveraging this sort of technology strategy? And are there any partner success stories that come to mind here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another great question. So if you think about what we're talking about, so these companions are at the front end, checking in very frequently, leveraging the trust that the patient has with their care team that enables the patient wants to stay engaged right? And the patient gets engaged, shares that data. Um, that data is being used to reinforce behaviors. And because it's an evidence-based pathway that's built into the platform, the benefit of evidence-based is we know that if the patient follows those steps, we have a high conviction that it's going to lead to the outcomes that we want the patient to have. So the trick here is how do you keep patients engaged? And that's all about you know, a companion that's personalizing the journey. We all want something that speaks to us personally. And so you want variability of experience. My experience will be different than yours, Erica, going through a diabetes journey. But in order to have the predictive power to get the outcomes, it needs to be evidence-based. Evidence-based actually is about reducing variability of care. And that those two things are intention. So how do we increase the variability of experience, personalization, reduce variability of care so we get outcomes? But once you get the outcomes and you can show the patient that their health and their care is improving, that feedback loop keeps them engaged longer. And so we get sustained engagement. So to give you some examples of some of the outcomes, because we're able to highly engage these patients and recommend next best actions, which typically are behaviors, and then also intervene earlier when things could potentially go wrong and stem them from going wrong sooner, we actually help our care teams at major health systems and health plans get amazing outcomes. So a few examples, we have a, a diabetes, automated diabetes care program running at a number of healthcare organizations. I'll give you an example of one. Uh, so one of these programs we have running at MedStar in the Baltimore DC area. And this data I'm gonna share with you is published recently in the Journal for Diabetes Science and Technology. The MedStar team published this information and they had a number of patients diabetes patients that were put in a boot camp program. So it was difficult to get their diabetes under control. So they were put in this pretty intense program. And those, those patients were then I enrolled in this automated program. And 90% of the patients that went through the automated program said that the program made them more confident in managing their diabetes. So it provides lots of education. It provides lots of recommendations. That is a huge number of people who feel more confident. When patients feel more confident, they take more of the right actions for themselves. And that in and of itself should lead to better outcomes. The second thing that happened was 27% of patients were flagged for interventions who otherwise wouldn't have been, meaning that the signal that they needed to be connected to a doctor or a nurse or a social worker to make some change, either in their medications or their diet or whatever it might be, happened earlier, in some cases happened where it wouldn't have happened at all. And all of that led ultimately to one of the key metrics that's measured in these diabetes programs is can we reduce the A1C score for these patients? And the A1C score for this the patient cohort in this, in this program went from about 8.6. So these are patients with A1C scores between eight and nine. So the average was 8.6 down to 7.5. So that's about a 12% reduction, which is enormous. And it's also a big milestone uh, through the HEDIS uh, measures to get down below eight. So a, a huge success um, in a program that automated the vast majority of the interactions and identified those patients that needed to talk to their doctor or nurse 
when they otherwise wouldn't have. So it's a much lower cost way of getting out to lots more people. So it solves the problem of access and scale and actually was able to reduce the A1C score pretty consistent or even more so than programs that cost thousands of dollars per patient per year. Yeah, I know you touched on MedStar and the success metrics there. So there are there any others you wanted to highlight? Yeah, we have we have lots of different great outcomes from different programs. And um, just to give you a flavor, we've built a library of these programs based on demand from our health system and health plan partners. So we have automated care programs that run the spectrum from chronic care management. So diabetes was one example of our chronic care programs. And those are kind of evergreen programs. Patients are in them you know, perpetually. Then we have programs that are designed for pre and post procedure, like colorectal cancer screening. We have perioperative programs. We have cancer care programs, women's health, pediatric, lots of different programs. So I'll give you just a few examples, uh, additional examples of outcomes. So in our colorectal cancer screening program, the big problem there is patients not showing up the day of their procedure. And in this country, the number is about 20%. So 20% of people just do not show up the day of that procedure, which they're not getting a life, potentially life-saving procedure. Also by not showing up all of the resources, the doctor, the, the facility, um, it's, a, it's a big cost for the health system that is, is being wasted. And then very importantly, it's very difficult to get these appointments. And so that appointment could have been used for another patient that's waiting weeks, if not months for that appointment. So reducing no-show rate is a real serious goal for a lot of health systems. And the problem is the knee-jerk reaction to getting people into these appointments that they're not showing up for is to remind them that they have the appointment. So a lot of money is being spent on reminder programs. You know, it's a bot that's calling patients and reminding them of the program. And if you've ever gone for a procedure like colonoscopy, you know full well that most patients know exactly when their appointment is. And when you remind them, they're less likely to come potentially because they're worried about the procedure. They're worried about the results of the procedure. They're worried whether or not they have transportation to get to the appointment. They're worried about whether insurance might cover it. There's a long tail of reasons why people don't show up for these appointments. So we developed the program with that understanding, that behavioral science understanding of what's driving patients. And it checks in. Again, it's a companion. It's trying to figure out, are you thinking of not coming? And if so, let's get to the root cause. And then it can provide guidance and education to allay your fears address your issue. Maybe we send you an Uber. Maybe we make sure that you're educated about whether your insurance covers it. And for the much smaller number of people that end up saying they're still not coming, those patients can then be escalated to speak to somebody who can either talk them into coming or cancel their appointment which, with enough notice to be able to use that appointment for another patient. So long-winded example there, uh, but a lot of our health systems are using these programs. i give you some data from Northwell in New York, where we took the no-show rate together down over half. So we cut the no-show rate in half. And of those patients that still weren't showing up, 100% of those appointments were able to be canceled in advance and opened up for additional patients. And of course, the system also gets to collect lots of different information on social determinants that are systemically driving issues in their health system, and they can use them that data to, to really address those issues. So that's um, a very different example from the the chronic care example through diabetes. And I'll, I'll just share one more. We've got an automated pregnancy program where the companion is given to women who are going to give birth. It goes through the whole nine months of, of birth uh, for a pregnant woman, whether it's a normal birth, whether it's a high risk birth. And 
the satisfaction rate there is about 96%. So really women very much rely on this as a, as a companion. And we've got data from these programs that show that 16% of at-risk pregnancies were identified and the woman was escalated to speak to resources where again, those signals would not have been identified and they're very serious. So it could be severe preeclampsia. There are areas where women were considering harming themselves, but not comfortable speaking to a person, even on their care team, but were comfortable speaking to a companion. And so now at a number of health systems that have rolled this out and tested it, the plan is to have every single woman having a baby at their health system be given this companion at the beginning of their journey. Marie, definitely thank you for sharing those additional examples. I think that when we talk about the colorectal cancer screening program, that 20% of people not showing up is so critical, especially when you're thinking about outcomes and costs. So it's great to hear how this program is, is helping cut the cut down those no-show rates. It's really amazing to see the, I mean, the most heartening thing is, you know, we get all the feedback from, uh, you know, these are all numbers I'm sharing, but behind this are, you know, individuals, patients, and and we hear from the patients about how important this was in their care. And again, all of this is attributed to their care team. So they think about this as a 24 by seven extension of, you know, these people that they trust to help care for them. And again, it, it facilitates shared decision-making. It gives them the confidence to do a lot more self-care. So again, being an enablement platform is as wonderful as these technologies are. It's the fact that it's working in concert with the care team and with the patient is, is where really the magic is happening. Some really great success metrics there around patient engagement and, and interventions. Murray, thank you so much for hopping on today. Erica, it's a pleasure. Really, really enjoyed this and uh, looking forward to more. Yeah, me too. We also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Amwell, and thank you to all our listeners for joining us for another episode. And you can tune into more by visiting Becker's Healthcare's podcast page on our website at beckershospitalreview.com. Thanks, everyone.